the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and everywhere we get your podcast on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash the like and come and join us in the chat here on a Monday, 11 a.m. What do we do? We call it a pun further review, a chance for us to get a deeper dive into Saturday's action, stuff that didn't make the cut for the instant reaction show, maybe some late games, and then some of the bigger storylines that are coming out of the week as we look ahead to what will be a busy week six. Also, on Monday, we like to take a look at the top 25, You know, pick apart a few uh, interesting decisions by the AP voters, and maybe a couple ballots to highlight as well. And uh, and guys, let's just let's get it started right there with a little segment again. October, remember always health and safety on Halloween. And on that note, let's go to Pole Assassin. Uh, we had a, let's see right here. Ian in the chat says, "I'm watching live today just to hear Danny tee off on the new top 25." Danny was sprinting. <laughs> to make the show today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is how excited he is uh, about this new AP Top 25. Uh, if you haven't got a chance to see it, no changes, at least in terms of the ranking of one through seven. But there are, as we projected, uh, a disbursement of some of those first place votes. Only 35 first place votes went to the Georgia Bulldogs. 12 went to Michigan. 10 went to Texas. Florida State still with four. Ohio State just with one. So five different teams getting first place votes. The Wolverines and the Longhorns starting to pick up some of those votes that Georgia is losing. Further down in the rankings, uh, as expected, a big drop for Utah and a big drop for a team that Don brings it up. LSU with two losses ranked 23rd is a joke. Danny, is there any argument for three and two LSU to still be a top 25 team? Absolutely not. It's the only thing going for them is what conference they play in. It's just lazy to put them in there still. It makes zero sense whatsoever. Not to mention, you know, I get, I don't mind if there's a team that has more losses, um, you know, than another team, if they have built a resume that is worthy. Um, 
What? Who have they beaten? Like, where's the big win for LSU? Like, does Florida have a better three and two profile? Because <laughs> the, the the LSU argument to me is probably just I think they're better, right? Right. You know, like, I just it's a I mean, but it's a power ratings argument, right? Like, you just you still believe the high end talent on the roster, what they can do offensively. And you're just going to include them. I just think at this point in the season, like Danny said, it is a little bit lazy to not at least explore uh, an undefeated Maryland or even a four and one Texas A&M, which looked really impressive against Arkansas. I think that's fair. Um, does Arkansas have any wins over FBS teams? <sighs> oh, because they've lost. Uh, Arkansas is also, I think, uh, one of and, the and that, that's A&M's best win, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, so they they. I can understand keeping AM out. They'll, they'll have a chance this week. With LSU, look, it it was a two and a half point spread. It was a it was a field goal game. If you thought it was a coin flip going in, if you thought LSU was a top 15 level team going in, and they play to what the spread was, basically, like I mean, you know, spreads two and a half, you lose by three, that's that's fairly standard, right? Um, then I can understand it from the people who are doing the power ratings. From the resume, I completely obviously they're they're not they're not there. Like they do have the wins over Arkansas and Mississippi State, but I don't think those teams are very good, personally. So, you know, we'll see on, on LSU. I, I'm a little surprised they stayed in. I I wouldn't have Maryland in to be honest. I I, I don't uh, I don't think they're they're great, and obviously the teams they've played are, are kind of terrible across the board. But. Um, I can see the LSU argument. I don't necessarily agree with it. I wouldn't have LSU ranked. <clears throat> if if you're five games into a season and you've lost 40% of your games, you shouldn't be ranked. I, I, I don't know why this is that difficult for people to understand. Um, Should Tennessee be ranked? <sighs> have we thought about this? They played Virginia, which is awful. UTSA without its starting quarterback, right? They've played South Carolina, which is probably going to miss a bowl at this point. Not a good football team. And they got blitzed by Florida. Like, what? Why is Tennessee ranked other than the fact that they're in the SEC and they started out the season high? Well, they're four and one. I mean, yeah, who are, who are the four? Yeah, but I, it, again, it's one of those things where it's like we could pick apart every single team at this point, like saying, like, you're four and one. Who? Why do you deserve to be ranked? I. Uh, isn't that what we're supposed to do, though? Isn't that the job of the Associated Press? Yeah, okay, well, the then tell me the teams that should be tell me the goals? teams that should be ranked instead of Tennessee. Because well, you just said Maryland shouldn't be ranked. So who should be ranked? What Based about the two Air teams Force? you want to put in over the Vols? Air Force. I'll take it. Yeah. Air Force has done nothing but crush its opponents. What about Kansas State? That was mine. They, they, they have oh. wins over UCF and Troy. Both those teams are better than South Carolina in my, in, in my numbers. So, like, I I would take Kansas State. Honest, take honestly, Kansas State. Kansas State just got hurt because they didn't play. If Kansas State had gone out right. to play Cincinnati last week and they beat them by – they'd probably beat Cincinnati by 22 points, then they'd probably be up in the top 25. They just were stuck idle as people were trying to move around their ballots. So, I think what? they but ended I mean, up – I would be replacing five. LSU with these teams. Like, it's – I don't know if I'd replace Tennessee with them. What about country roads? Take me home. <laughs> what about what about West Virginia? Their wins are up there. I mean, their schedule's been tough. Their only loss to Penn State. Like it's it's one of those things. This is what drives me nuts: is you get such a favorable ranking based on preseason perception where you were. I mean, they were picked dead last. Nobody thought they'd be any good. Here they are, coming off you know an, an, another nice win on the road. Um, after they've already had a few other impressive ones. 
uh, just to me, it seems like they should be getting some love. I what mean, about? I know you didn't see it because you were busy running through the jungles of Central Park this morning, but I tweeted this morning. West Virginia has tra is trailed at halftime at all five of its games. And it's four and one. It's TCU. I'm sorry. It hasn't trailed at halftime. It has not scored first in any of its games. And it's four and one. What about Clemson? Seriously. Like, like if LSU is ranked, we need to consider Clemson. Like Clemson has better wins than Tennessee or LSU does. Right. If it has played a FA, really. Hold on. FAU, Charleston, Southern Syracuse. Yeah. Whipping Syracuse on the road is certainly better than whipping Mississippi State on the road or squeaking TBD out one against Arkansas. I don't know that that's really that clear. I don't I think, think Syracuse clear. could be seven and five by the end of the season. You think Syracuse oh. is the worst worst team than Mississippi State? I don't. It could be. I'm saying I, I'm not just going to assume that Mississippi State is a lot worse than Syracuse. Like Syracuse is, could barely be scrapping for a bowl game by the end of the year. But like, right, common data on. point: Clemson was actually competitive against Florida State. Florida State blew out LSU. Yeah, no, I'm fine. Listen, I don't want to rank either Clemson or LSU. I don't. I don't think either should be ranked. If you've lost forty percent of your games, you don't deserve to be ranked. But why does a win over Syracuse, who's a good team, not great team, why does it feel anywhere near as good as USC's win over Colorado? Like if if Dino Babers was out there, you know, bringing in celebrities to the sideline, and he was out there and was a phenomenon unlike we've anything we've ever seen that win feels bigger i the pac-12 who has been you know positioned as this best team in college football and i'm not pushing that much on that but the fact that oregon and usc are getting like these huge resume builders because they beat a team that barely beat colorado state is a little bit ridiculous and i think it's going to be interesting because who do you think finishes the season with a better record syracuse or colorado syracuse I Syracuse. I don't think Oregon's ranked in the top 10 because it beat Colorado. I think Oregon's ranked in the top 10 because it's beating the hell out of everybody. Agreed. But they're yeah. getting massive credit for that. When they should have beat the crap out of, out of Colorado. But USC should, and USC did drop. because USC dropped. Yeah, I, yeah. They got a lot of airtime. I don't know if they got a lot of voting credit. Yeah, no, it is looking less and less... I mean, obviously, the rankings literally have this USC at nine and then, you know, that top four, five, six spots. It does not look like USC is going to be up there making a real argument against uh, a Georgia, Michigan, a Texas, an Ohio State, a Florida State until they go and they beat another one of these big Pac-12 contenders or Notre Dame a little bit later on in the season. Anything else from the uh, the rankings stand out? Um, I'm not going to go into individual... How do you have? Let's see here. Colorado still got a vote. Well, well. <laughs> How do you is it have? David, like, was it Jablonski? Who was I don't it? know. I, I didn't put the effort into searching it down. I probably should have. How do you have um, Texas ninth on your ballot? Ooh. Nobody else has Texas lower than six. All right, Mike Dzolik of the Bloomington Herald Times has them ninth. There's this weird argument to be had about the quarterbacks who Texas and actually Oklahoma have both played. I've seen it on social a little bit, and it's it's fair, right? Texas played the Wyoming backup, the Kansas backup, Jalen Milrow. The Baylor backup. Uh, the Baylor backup. Is there one more or are they 4-0? Oh? They're 5-0. They're 5-0. Oh. Yeah. They, they, oh, uh, JT Daniels. JT Daniels. 
Yeah. Like, so there is that argument to be had. I guess they have not faced a decent quarterback yet. You know who else hasn't? Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma got the Iowa State backup, right? I guess he's a starter now, but they, Rocco's playing pretty good for Rocco's Iowa State. Rocco's playing all right. Yeah. For I mean, a freshman. For still Iowa freshman. State, which is a terrible offensive scheme, but like, I, I, and they don't recruit well. But like, yeah, I, I get, I mean, he's still an Iowa State backup. Emory Jones, who we know is not a good player. Uh, who else has Oklahoma, Oklahoma played? Tulsa. Tulsa, right. And no, it was yes. a Tulsa third stringer. And yeah. then SMU. SMU, which Stone is just not impressed so far this year that SMU has been a defensive-led football team. So, like, I guess there's some questions about both those teams in terms of their defenses. Like, the defensive numbers are insane, but they have not faced a quality quarterback yet between them. I don't know, man. I'm going to go with the Frank Grimes Simpsons meme when Homer wins the contest against the third graders and he's yelling, but he's competing against, against children. And Lenny responds with, yeah, and he's beating their brains out. Texas <laughs> is competing against second rank quarterbacks and they're beating their brains out. Oklahoma is beating teams brains out. Stop worried about who teams have played. Worry about how they're playing. I, to, to a point, I agree. But man, look, like there is sort of the whole like, Quality takes a little bit longer to like like really cement itself than incompetence does, right? Like we can watch, but okay, like that team just doesn't know what they're doing, and that incompetence is going to be imputed on, on on the flip side as like defensive dominance. You know, I, I I think it's fair to question like who they've played a little bit, but they have smashed them. To your point, yeah, they're, uh, they're nearly halfway through their schedule. At Thirty eight. Can we start taking it seriously? Sure. Well, like Minnesota. Like, remember, you were fraudulent Fornelli on them a couple years ago. Yeah. Like they hadn't played anybody. Like it happens. Illinois last year. I mean, was really, really damn good. But they also, from an opposing quarterback perspective, had played basically nobody. When they finally, fe- well, that's just because they play in the Big Ten. <laughs> Thirty eight to six against Baylor, followed up by forty to fourteen against Kansas. Um, quite a statement start for the Longhorns there to Big Twelve play. Uh, exerting their dominance on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Is Michigan the best game control? They have to be, right? Because yes. now that Washington had like a you know a semi stumble, I mean mm-hmm. against Arizona, Michigan's got to be the one that hasn't you know had that moment at all against Cakewalk. I get it, but everybody's had some Cakewalks well, they've struggled against. I, I will. Put, Michigan has been in control for fifty nine point six percent of its snaps with a fourteen leader point leader more, and that is the highest in the country by a lot. Washington is second, or USC is second at a fifty-five point five nine percent. Washington is third, but I will also push back. Like we have made a lot of fun of Michigan's non-conference schedule, and I'm not going to argue that it's good. But I will point out, Bowling Green just beat Georgia Tech, and UNLV is looking like one of the better teams in the Mountain West to this point. And those were both on Michigan's non-conference schedule. Like ECU still stinks, but Bowling Green and UNLV might be better than we were giving them credit for. That's true. That's th- I mean, Michigan jumped back into the number two spot in the CBS Sports 133 this week. And when I was writing about it this morning, I am interpreting that as our voters were sick of watching Michigan play with its food at home against inferior competition. They go on the road against a Big Ten opponent and absolutely work them. Okay, thank you. Check mark. Like you finally look like uh, something closer to that team that we had at number two in the preseason. Uh, Washington also after that seven point scare, we got we got way over our skis last week at the CBS Sports One Thirty Three. Had Washington number two. Yeah, after that Arizona game, fall back to earth a little bit. Uh, and be sure to check that out over at CBSSports.com. 
Coming up on the other side, ooh, we've got some significant injuries across the country. Some updates on what it's going to mean for each team and specifically what it means for one very notable offensive coordinator. We'll get into that and more next. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast. A lot of notable injuries coming out of the weekend with some updates to go along with them. Uh, Duke quarterback Riley Leonard, uh, a high ankle sprain is the report. Not as significant as it was thought initially, uh, but certainly going to be impactful. Also, no, Jane Delora, a Tennessee wide receiver, Brew McCoy, uh, Iowa quarterback, Cade McNamara as well. But what do we think about Cade McNamara and how is this going to impact the drive to 325? So I really don't think losing Cade McNamara is much of a downgrade for this offense because a, it, it's hard to knock him more than like a single point in, in any kind of offensive power rating system because McNamara was playing really poorly on the year. And also, they, they don't throw the football. So I don't really think it matters. I, I mean, he didn't look good, and I didn't notice any major drop-off to the backup. Now, is it a bit of a concern that the backup was for a while running third string at Wisconsin behind Graham Mertz and somebody else that I, I can't name? Yes, that is Eating a little wolf. bit concerning to me. Like I think there is more like chaos potential to the, to the negative side here. But man... That punt return, Brian Ferentz back on pace. We said they needed 24 points against Michigan State. They got 26. So instead of redistributing those missed points, guys, I, I got the razor out. I'm doing a little haircut here yeah. on the rest of the schedule. Let's go. All right, next week, and Tom, you're, you're a line I just played this team. How are we feeling about 35 at home against Purdue? Pretty bad defense for <sighs> Purdue. Uh, I mean <laughs> – uh, Iowa only scored like 14. Like, I mean, Illinois 20, only scored 14. Purdue throws the ball a ton. Like, that's pick six opportunities for Iowa. I was going to say, multiple. 21 of those have to be defense and special teams. <laughs> They've scored, what, 21 defensive points so far on the year? So, yeah, uh, I think I think Cade McNamara's injury kind of woke them up in that aspect because maybe they were buying too much into the hype about the offense being improved and the defense and special teams relaxed. As soon as Cade goes down, punt return, pick six time. Let's go. Bad. And they threw 17 passes to receivers. Look at that. That was, gosh, just. <laughs> How long is Cade going to be out? Oh, uh, I think a while. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know that. I, they haven't confirmed anything yet, but just based on how the injury looked, considering it was non-contact and it was, yeah, it's just, I don't think he's going to be back anytime. Transfer the NIL deal to sweatsuits and street gear. He was already playing hurt, it looked like to me. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he did not look healthy at any point this year. All right, 20 at home against Wisconsin. 24 at home against Minnesota. That actually seems really doable after watching Minnesota's defense this year. At Northwestern, 31, especially if they use a little fake knee. Might be able to uh, to go into that one. <laughs> understand, I understand it's Penn State folks. It was a quarterback draw or a fake quarterback draw. Okay. I mean. Uh, 30 at home against Rutgers. 27 at home against Illinois. Does Iowa ever play a road game? Gosh. Uh, 23 at home against Nebraska and in the bowl game. 
Uh, they need this 20. includes the bowl game for sure. Do we look into the deals, the contract? I was told that if they when it, when they make a bowl, that yeah, they do have to wow. continue to to do it. Bonus. Um, I mean, look, they're on pace. I'm not going to argue with all this defensive and special teams scoring. I would I would change Rutgers to twenty twenty six seven and add those three points to Illinois. I don't think they'll score thirty points against Rutgers. I think they could score thirty against Illinois though. All right, do you I will make the change. Do you want a, a rough indictment of where Iowa is, and especially on Brian Fair? I mean, as if we need any more. So Indiana's offensive yards per play, 5.03. Iowa's 4.35. Offensive yards per game, Indiana 334. Iowa 240. Offensive touchdowns, Indiana 11. Iowa 10. So are, are you saying Iowa should hire Walt Bell? Yeah, who just got <laughs> fired. Indiana just fired for that performance. Yes, that's the point. Look, I mean, I, I think it's important that, that we recognize alternative forms of protest. And <laughs> I, I, Iowa's offense appears to be a, a form of protest. <laughs> um, yeah, Walt Bell out as, uh, as Iowa's offensive coordinator. Uh, also, Georgia Tech is uh, reassigning its positions on the defensive side of the ball. Brent Key coming out saying that we were not performing up to the standard. Of course, that's what happens when Bowling Green beats you at home and uh, puts up a bunch of touchdowns in doing so. So the reporting on Riley Leonard is, uh, according to Pete Thamel of ESPN, expected to miss multiple weeks. Now, the Blue Devils are off this week. They return to action on October 14th against NC State at Florida State on the 21st and then at Louisville on the 28th. How do you readjust your expectations for what Duke can accomplish this season with that news? Making a bowl is now an accomplishment. Yeah. And they're four and one. Leonard is by far their best player. Like by far. They have obviously the bye week, which is a huge help. Then NC State at Florida State at Louisville. And then a short rest game uh, at Wake Forest on a Thursday. That's the problem. Like if, if he's out five weeks, it's going to be hard to come back in time for Wake. Um, and then you get a longer rest at UNC, at UVA, host Pitt. If that looked really bad, like if, if I'm if I have to do like like futures betting on this, I, I bet you he's going to miss at least three games, maybe four. Could it? Um, I mean, does it matter that much if they miss him? Because I think they can still beat NC State. Anybody have like especially I, what we've seen? You think I think it's NC in State. Doubt? Like I, I think NC State could do like NC State's defense is still good, and I mean Leonard is that whole Leonard's most of that offense. Because he runs, though, I don't. I wonder if their backup, if he's as you know, can run. Also, you know, we don't know. We'll find that out. But my point being was like the next two games, they probably might have lost anyway. Florida State and Louisville, especially we know about Louisville, um, both road games. So if you get it, and then Wake all of a sudden looks vulnerable. They got them at home. Like if you could, if you go two and two, you're bowl eligible, right? Mm-hmm. And then you got UVA and Pitt to finish out after North Carolina, and who the heck knows what? Like, if you get him back for that North Carolina game, maybe maybe you can get to seven or eight. It'd be great to get him back for Wake. Like, yeah. Wake is Wake is pretty beatable, right? Wait, Wake's a bottom five team in the ACC. They're not in the bottom four, yeah. but it's like they they are fighting with like you know Georgia Tech and Pitt right there in that you know not very good, but not. You know, Boston College bad, you not UVA bad kind of level. 
I definitely think they're underdogs without him in, in, in every game they play, with the exception of at UVA and host Pitt. I I do think that defense will keep them in every game for the most part. So yeah. as long as you yeah. can just kind of spackle and paper mache around your QB spot and maybe change the offense a little bit, you know, play more, uh, I guess, you know, game control kind of field position stuff, you could probably squeeze out some ugly wins, I think. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, this team has a much higher ceiling with Riley Leonard than it does without And not to be a broken record on this, but this is where you're also going back to the hire of Kevin Johns, the offensive coordinator, who's done a really good job of piecing this together. You get an extra week to be able to put together the game plan for that very good NC State defense and sort of, you know, settle everything after what was an emotional defeat to the Fighting Irish on Saturday night. Um, Also around the country, you know, what stands out? What about either Jane Delora, Brew McCoy, any other um, injuries of note that you're keeping an eye on as we get into the week? Uh, Delora obviously is an interesting one, um, but are are we sure the the drop-off to Fafita is that big? I mean, he played were, pretty good. They were okay, no, and don't. and he was like kind of okay against Stanford. I, I, like Delora does more of the good stuff, but also a lot more of just like the inexplicable bad mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, Arizona might be a little more predictable, which is usually not something you say when you go to a backup quarterback. But he doesn't seem to take the same type of just silly uh, chances. I that was weird to me. Like I I thought based on how it looked that he was going to be out like. A month-ish, and they were still like pretending like he might play, and it's like, nah, I, I, I don't think we're going to see him next week. Yeah, I, Arizona is actually kind of competent, and I do yeah. wonder, like Delora, like you're saying, but as explosive and beneficial as he can be with some of the plays he is capable of making, he also can destroy his team at times, and I wonder if. Maybe having a guy who is a little less risky, a little more, uh, you know, it's like after, after, like, you know, you break up with somebody who is a little, you know, a little exciting, a little fun, and you, you start dating somebody who's maybe a little more conservative and a little more reliable. Maybe, maybe you'll be more stable in your life. So maybe Arizona will be more stable without Jaden Delore than it was with him. Well, here's the problem for Arizona. Um, your next three, your next two games at USC at Washington State, then you're off. And then you're back in action against Oregon State at home. This is a this is a tough little stretch for the Wildcats, who are three and two on the season, and uh, making it to a bowl game will be a challenge with or without Jaden Delora, based on the way the schedule is unfolding. Mm-hmm. Coming much, up, oh, go ahead. Yes, I was just going to ask you guys what you think about Brew McCoy. Does it change your outlook on Tennessee much? Because they they look pretty deep. Yeah, More system. I don't know if he's that. What do you think, Bud? I mean, I think for some of like the screen stuff, because he is a guy who can block and, and, right. and he's tough to tackle in space. They're getting Dante Thornton back, though. I, I I think probably this week, so that that'll be nice to have him back. The big thing there was was getting the center Cade Mays back. Like if they have Cade Mays and the right tackle in the swamp, I think Tennessee wins that football game. I mean, that game really changed because they just could not block Jackson at all, and Jackson just wrecked them with the backup center constantly in that game. Uh, South Carolina has a fairly good defensive interior, and Tennessee handled them just fine. So, like Tennessee's kind of a stock up team for me, even without Brew McCoy, because the defense looks fairly legit, 
And uh, especially when you when you factor in the tempo at which the offense that they have to go against pl- or go with plays, uh, and they block they block South Carolina just fine. So I'm I'm kind of stock up Tennessee, and I'm not worried about about the Bruce McCord thing that much. Do you think Notre Dame's going to have uh, Great House and Thomas back for Louisville this weekend? I don't know. I, I haven't I haven't seen it yet. That would go, go ahead. Going back to Tennessee. In the Bruce McCoy injury, do you know who's fourth in the nation in rushing yards per game this year? Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. I, I think they're going to be fine with or without him. Yep. Coming up on the other side, every single Monday, a chance to take a bigger picture look at what happened since the instant reaction. We call it a pun for the review. We'll get into that and more next. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, we always like to spend some time on Monday going under the hood. We call it a pun for the review. There were terrible calls. Do you want to go ahead and jump in? After further review. After further review. After further review. All right. So uh, Tom had a line in the instant reaction show. He was actually talking about Luther Burden, but he said, I know that Brock Bowers for Heisman is the craze and it is kind of the craze. So I wanted to at least ask whether or not you all would give Brock Bowers a decent chance as the best individual offensive player on a team that is competing for the national championship. Do you see a path for Brock Bowers to win the Heisman trophy? He can get to New York. That's the path. I don't think he can win. I don't think there's anything that can happen that can win, but as many people that are playing great, especially in the PAC 12, looks like there's multiple Heisman trophy candidates. They're going to start to play each other. And just like their playoff hopes dwindle. So will their Heisman hopes. Um, so yeah, I, mean, he, I think he can. He did like he did a he did not have a Heisman moment, but he certainly had the kind of performance that you go back to and you say he was the most outstanding player on the field. Like he bailed elevated his game and b- totally bailed Georgia out and kept them in the national championship picture in a way that would have been much more challenging if they had taken that loss. One of the problems is that the lack of marquee games for Georgia this year, right? Mm-hmm. Because the schedule is so easy. I think you would need Brock Bowers to stat pad a lot more than he has been. And he really didn't do it that much in those early cupcake games. He's not in the top 15 right now in the Heisman odds. And I think that's for a reason. If you play a non-traditional position, you need to have like multiple marquee moments of where you're beating like legitimately good teams. You know, Charles Woodson with, with the punt return and the pick six and also catching footballs, you know, as, as a receiver, you know, potentially like for some gadget stuff. I don't see it with Bowers, right? Like, who's the marquee game on this schedule? Florida's fighting to make a bowl. Auburn's going to be fighting to make a bowl. Uh, like, are we saying Kentucky is the marquee game? Like, you're going to have your Heisman moment at home as more than a two-touchdown favorite against Kentucky? They'll be on national TV. I mean, it doesn't matter. But the opponents aren't respected. Like, but... If they are struggling and he continues to bail, like, unfortunately, that's the path. The path for Brock Bowers to win a Heisman is that the offense is not good outside of giving the ball to Brock Bowers and having him go find matchup advantages and get yards after the catch. Like he got 79 yards after the catch against Auburn. That's not a good thing for Georgia. Like if you're a Georgia fan, you don't want Brock Bowers to be in the Heisman Trophy conversation because the rest of your skill players have gotten better and you're absolutely working teams instead of needing Brock Bowers to bail you out. You mentioned that Florida game. It is going to be on CBS. It is going to have a lot of eyeballs on it. And 
what if Georgia messes around? And what if Florida, you know, with its strength at the line of scrimmage, is able to keep that thing close so that he does have that moment? Like, that's the knife that cuts both ways for me if I'm a Georgia fan. If Brock Bowers is getting individual accolades, it's probably because the team is not playing up to expectations. You asked a question there. You said, what if Georgia messes around? I'm going to ask you a question. What if Georgia's not messing around? What if this is just what they are? What if this is who Georgia is? Because, Bud, oh. you mentioned that Georgia's schedule is a hindrance to Brock Bowers' Heisman hopes, but it is a bonus to Georgia in 2023 because this team, I mean, it's, again, always in the context of Georgia. It's not as good as the team we saw the last two years. And I've seen a lot of Georgia fans complaining about Mike Bobo, which I think is just a go-to reflex. But I wrote about it this morning, and I looked into the numbers. Offensively, this team is still Basically, it's not as good, but it's performing at the same kind of level in a lot of key stats that it had been the last two years. Where it's dropped off is a defense that in 2021 was top five in everything and last year was top five or top ten in everything is now typically in the low teens and low t- uh, high 20s as far as where it ranks nationally. Defensively, this team is not nearly as good. And it was fine the last two years, but the offense was kind of just good but not great because nobody scored on it. That's not the case this year. Like this year, Georgia's offense is being put in positions where they have to go down the field and get Brock Bowers to score because they need to come from behind or to win a game or put a game away. That hasn't been the case the last few years. This is a team that in the last two seasons won its SEC games by an average of 28 points. It has beaten South Carolina and Auburn by 17 points total. It's not as good. Agreed. I, I think, personally, I, I think Beck's playing really well. I, I I mean, ball comes out on time. He's accurate. He's not throwing a bunch of balls that like should have been picked off. I think he had what one one turnover, like one pick. It. I think he's playing well. I think Georgia has problems blocking up front. But look, if you use Bowers, because Bowers is basically a receiver, right? Like he's not a low effort blocker, but he's not a like a dominant blocker. He's not Darnell Washington. Yeah, I, he's not even in the top thirty nationally in receiving. We need to judge him as a receiver. If, that, if that's what we're basically he's going to be used as. And I mean, he barely has 400 yards on the year. Like, like there's a lot of guys who mean more to their teams that have more. Who has really a better cool. chance to get to New York? Brock Bowers or a 7-5 and five Shador Sanders from Colorado? Shador, Shador Sanders. Sanders. How long is Hunter out? I don't know, man. They still put up 41. Oh, you, so wait, you're him. saying that that would help Shador, or you're saying that could get Travis Hunter there instead? Well, I'm saying if they go 7-5 and five and Hunter has a, like an extended absence, then it helps Shador because you're not going to split votes. Hmm. If Shador, okay. if, if Hunter is recognized as the best player on that team, which I think he is by a mile, uh, then he could potentially vote steal. This phenomenon is unlike... I think it was Tom had a, a ticket on Shador. I'm like, I don't think that bad of a play because... It's, uh, when you have 900 voters, it is very like, who do they recognize? Who do they see? And when you have, I saw this because I was in the studio up here and they had like 12 TVs on. And one of them, like during 3.30 window, there's all these games going on. Typically ESPN would go to highlight package. Like, let's go around, bounce around. Let's do a little studio highlight. They aired the Colorado press conference in its entirety. They had mm-hmm. Shadour up there answering questions. Like there is value in that brand value in it where I'm thinking, man, I mean, I didn't see Lincoln Riley comment on the game at all. It's just a phenomenon. Unlike we thing we've ever seen. I do I think mean, they better be careful this weekend. I, you it get is 120 clear, to one right now. 
If you if you really believe it, I mean, See, it here's the thing. I think he goes to New York. Ago. I don't think he can win it. Seven yeah. and five, you can't win it. I, I said that when they were like undefeated. a cash out. It was yeah. very obvious. Yeah, win. right. Big cash out opportunity. Yeah, I think Baylor was eight and four when Robert Griffin won it. Eight, nine, they were maybe nine and three. Four, nine and three. Yeah, um, and not to like nitpick because I do believe the core of your criticism is fair. But Danny, in that same block, they had like a twelve minute Zoom call with Mac Brown. <laughs> you know, like I mean, it was just they were doing college football scoreboard till the six o'clock uh, LSU yeah. Ole Miss game. So it's like, all right, what do we need to get through the B block? Mac says he'll jump on the <laughs> laptop. What do we get through the C block? We're just gonna go to uh, Boulder to to get the post game comments right there. They were just they were doing what they could to kill time uh, there in, in that in that time segment. Uh, speaking of Colorado and uh, in the Pac-12, I, I wanted to pose this and get y'all's thoughts. In the wake of USC messing around and letting Colorado back into the game, in the wake of Washington, not really getting an upset scare, but certainly 31-24 to 24 does not make you feel great about what happened in the desert against Arizona. How would you stack up the top of the Pac-12? How do you rank those teams against each other after week five? I'd have Oregon at one. Yeah. Because I just feel more confident. In like they had the scare against Texas Tech, but they won the game. And since then, they've kind of you know been dominant. I would put Washington at two, although they did mess around a lot on Saturday. Like the Cal game was misleading in that it was close at the end, but Washington had put Cal away long before halftime in that game and then rested a lot of guys in the second half. That wasn't the case on Saturday against Arizona. So it was, there's some concern. Like that defense really is not great. And if anything's going to cost it at some point, they're in a similar position to USC where it's like, they're going to have to outscore teams. And that's why I would have Oregon because even though I don't think Oregon is fantastic defensively, I think of the teams that we're talking about, it's the defense I believe the most in combined with an offense that can score a lot of points. So I would go Oregon, Washington, USC, Oregon State, Washington State, Utah. How close is Washington State to USC? I put USC at the bottom of those top three as well, but that's where I want to know whether the gap is closing with that Washington State, Oregon State, because it's – Man, it feels like it's just like a Caleb Williams. Yeah, we'll see when Zach Branch gets back into the lineup as well. But it's like if you take Caleb Williams off USC, that team becomes extremely ordinary. They just have an extraordinary talent at the quarterback position. And when stacking them up against Oregon and Washington, I I find myself comfortably putting the Trojans third. And I was not sure I thought that heading into the season. You know, um, upon further review despite it being such a great, fun start to the Pac-12, they're going to get left out of the playoff again. Because I, I thought you were going to be there breaking up. <laughs> no. Like, it's, it's another it's insult to injury because all these teams we're talking about, they all play each other later in the season. They're going to pick each other off, and you're going to have a two-loss conference champ, and they're going to sit at home again. Like, of them all, like, is there a team that you feel confident that they're just going to get through either unscathed or with one loss and then beat a team again? I don't, I don't have that much confidence in it. So, I, it's been a great story, but I think it, I don't think it ends the way that a lot of people wanted it to. And I thought it might, but I it just, I think they're going to pick each other off. I, I have a lot of confidence in Oregon. 
All right. I, I, have, I have Oregon as my number one. I, I think that they they play some legitimate defense. Their their coverage in the back end, I think, is noticeably better than what USC and Washington are playing. Like as as Tom mentioned, the offensive line is better than I thought it was going to be. You know, and that that, that was kind of a major question mark that they needed to to answer. Bo Nix is you know protecting the football pretty well. Uh, they you know we'll, we'll see how they play at Washington, but like I I, I do think that they uh, they have a pretty good shot. To win that game, um, I still have USC three. Oregon State, Washington State's interesting. I mean, that was it kind of snowballed on Oregon State early on in that game. So I, I guess you have to kind of favor Washington State right now. If you played that game, uh, if you flip it and go play it in Corvallis, uh, it are, are we really picking wins. Washington State? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, do you have Utah over UCLA? They won the game. It was the outcome was very coin flippy, and it was in Utah. I, like to me, there's a clear seven in the Pac-12, and then there's about a ten point drop in power mm-hmm. ratings to the bottom five. Like what Cal, Arizona, depending on if you have Arizona State or Colorado, Colorado <laughs> yeah, and then Stanford's clear, clearly the worst, right? But like I there's think- a pretty good seven, and then the five are just like not top half teams in the country. But is Oregon's defense starting to look a lot more like Georgia's to you? I don't mean performance-wise, but if you kind of notice like Lanning is kind of finally getting things going this year. In like the go out and kill everybody mentality, yes. Um, (laughs) But I, how much have they had to show? A little bit against Texas Tech. Colorado was a walkover. Stanford, honestly, was kind of a walkover. Um, They played Hawaii. I, I don't think they've had to show very much. I mean, they... They should be working Washington really for like a month. If, if you know you're just going to brutalize Colorado's offensive line, which I'm sure they did, and Stanford can't score, you probably need to have a Washington day in your practice every single week, right? And conversely, Washington probably needs to have an Oregon day, uh, especially when you, when you knew that the starter was out there uh, for Arizona this past weekend. I, I don't know if they are going to get left out. Like I, I, Some of this does depend on – when does Rising come back? Because if, if Utah is not playing a spoiler, like if he does, doesn't come back this year, I mean, we're all assuming that he's going to come back after the bye week. But are, are we sure he will? No. Because if he doesn't I, come back, I mean, did you watch him warming up? I mean, I, I saw a little bit. I mean, I know it's just warm-ups and he doesn't have pads on, but my goodness. So you think – and then he'd have another year of eligibility, come back for seven? I don't know about that. I, I just – I mean, why not? I know I mean, Utah is it, like have. Utah with rising is a hell of a spoiler. Utah without yeah. rising is not going to beat really, really good teams. And that Oregon game is in Salt Lake City Correct. against Utah. And and what yeah. um, he Bud's referencing about Washington week, the Ducks are going to be off in week six, but then return to action with uh, at Washington on October 14th, followed by Washington State at home on the 21st, followed by a trip to Salt Lake City at Utah on the 28th. Those week seven, eight, nine games for the Ducks, if they are, as you know, we seem to be in lockstep on here, the most well-rounded of the top teams in the Pac-12, then that's going to be the time to show up uh, in a big way. I will say rising, he's not playing. He's rehabbing from his ACL, but seeing him practice in warm-ups and just get ready even without pads on, you can tell he's not missing time in the weight room. Yeah. You think he's jacked? <laughs> he's He's large, upper, yes. Yeah, he's, just he's, doing upper he's body. He's working work. the upper body quite yeah, a bit because yeah. he can't do the legs as much. 
Uh, He's obviously yeah. too busy to see a barber too. That hair is getting <laughs> long. I mean, those are like <laughs> Samson. I mean, jeez. Um, but like a True Blood you... remake on deck. <laughs> <laughs> that show is good for the first season and a half. For, for the review. Um, I I kind of want to look at at Kentucky. I, I watched this game more, and I I was. I was pretty impressed with Kentucky. Uh, we, we want to put this on Florida. And yes, I know Florida is 1-13 and 13 in their last 14 times they've played not in the swamp. Like When they leave the swamp, this, this is kind of an insane – and the only win they have is the game that A&M had all the guys out with the flu. So kind of weird, probably something that UF has to work on a little bit. But, man, Kentucky's defense looks good. I, I had some questions about their corners coming into this year. And I, I – look, I – yeah, the Florida had some drops and some stuff, but it wasn't like Kentucky had a whole lot of guys wide open against them. I think that front is really nice. That they look quick and big, and we 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 mentioned Oregon maybe having like a Washington period every day. Is there a chance that Kentucky just was working Florida for like a month? Because that is the best Kentucky's looked against by far the best team they've played. Like they've played nobody. And really didn't look very good at all through the first four football games, and then now they come out and they they really kind of dominate the Gators. That was that was pretty impressive. They still had like four drops. Leary had a, a, like a couple tip passes, but the offensive line blocked UF just fine. Mm-hmm. That it's, was a football school win for Mark Stoops. Yeah, he saw he saw the basketball team was opening training camp. He said, "No, no, no. Let me show you how it's done around here." <laughs> they look clean. Midnight Madness off for another week. I know. <laughs> Do you think Georgia Kentucky will be big big game breakdown on yes. Wednesday? Aren't we doing superlatives on Wednesday? We can do both. We okay. can, yeah, we can get some both in. I think. Got to move with same. pace, but we can do it. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's yeah, right. For those, show. yeah, for uh, longtime listeners, of course, we are not going to um, leave the tucks all dusty in the uh, in the closet. We'll be uh, we'll we'll be getting gussied up for uh for the. Mm-hmm award show that is the september superlatives you didn't wear it a couple weeks ago to your parole meeting that had you missing saturday <laughs> no my uh my court-ordered community service has its own jumpsuit so i don't <laughs> don't need to uh to get the uh get the get the tucks all dirty for that um yeah what about the florida side of this okay what right because from i was thinking about it because of the rankings but the florida profile is hanging on to a Tennessee win and the Tennessee win is flimsy because Tennessee's own strength is worth being called into question from a rankings perspective. So you know, what's the, what's the path forward for the Gators? What are realistic expectations? I mean, they're going to beat South Carolina because South Carolina can't block them and they're going to beat Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt can't block them. They have to go to Columbia, right? For Missouri. They have to go to, Bat- they have to, go to Baton Rouge. And they got FSU. They got Arkansas swamp. at home. Oh God, that'll be. <laughs> they could beat Arkansas. Yeah. That game would be gross. Yeah, they they can definitely beat Arkansas. Um, not, I mean, they probably won't crush Arkansas, but they could. I, I just Florida has a very narrow path to victory in most of these games. The quarterback is not good. He's fine. They don't ask him to do very much. You saw it on Saturday when he has to step out of the comfort comfort zone and actually be like a passer when they're not just all play action, pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball. He's not very good. The receivers are not special. 
Pearsall's really pretty damn good. The rest of them are, are just pretty mid. The tight end position is a weakness for this team. And they're not well coached on offense, right? Like Billy Napier is not a value add as a play caller or quarterback coach. Honestly, this has been my opinion of him for a long time going back to when he was in the Sun Belt. You're really scared of Billy Napier on the recruiting trail. I don't know if you're super scared of him you know, as a play caller on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So they're very big tennis, huge offensive line, want to pound the rock, lean on you. But if it gets off script, they're largely in trouble. Give me South Carolina against the Gators on October 14th. Man, I don't know. Like they just they can't block any D line with a pulse. North Carolina crushed them. Tennessee just absolutely smoked them. It's Georgia increasing. didn't smoke them. But they never really blocked Georgia, right? I mean, I mean, you just mentioned it. One in thirteen away from the swamp, and fair. also South Carolina is off this week with an extra week to get prepared uh, for the game, and that sure seems like a Shane Beamer, you know. Uh, a Shane Beamer special where you get that huge win for that Columbia crowd and all that. I mean, what is it? South Carolina's all vibes, right? That is the Shane Beamer era. That's a, that's when, a big vibes win right there for the Gamecocks. When is the South Carolina State Fair? Why? Is that South Carolina's going to win? Um, oh, God. South Carolina State Fair, October 11th to 22nd. Florida game, October 14th. You remember what was going on when South Carolina beat Tennessee last year? The South oh. Carolina State Fair at home. williams Bryce with the State Fair going on outside. Florida's dead. They're Game done. Gamecocks by 10. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Sorry, Billy. Uh, any, it, it, what else? I mean, look, from, he's not getting fired regardless. But like, Do you think maybe, that was a question? Like if he goes five Florida, Florida fans on Twitter, but I, I'm just exposed to it because I'm, I'm in the state of Florida. Right. right. Like Napier's going to get three years easy. I think yeah. he gets four, but no, he's he's going to get until DJ Lagway signs and like is locked in and enrolled in classes, and then we'll get to see what happens from there with that recruiting class. I mean, look, like yes, there's certainly that. You also there's no way you would can this guy and and have the first year from a PR and image standpoint be Florida schedule next year, right? Like that that looks really really tough, and they're probably dogs in seven or eight games next year. So mm. remember we talked about this over the summer, how hard that schedule was. Also, like, I mean, there's other stuff going on there too. That I don't think you want to hire a coach before until everything is kind of settled. Yeah. All right. Um, we wanted to put a Sunbelt corner in, uh, in Saturday night show. Got a little bit late. We went 90 daggum minutes before we, and we didn't even accomplish everything we wanted to, but I, I would ask, how do you stack up those teams at the top of the, the fun belt. James Madison. I think JMU and Troy are still at the top of this league. Still. I mean, like they they played a really good game. That was pretty coin flippy down there in, in Troy. Georgia Southern looks really good. I would have Southern ahead of Troy. I just Georgia State that. absolutely took one on the nose uh this weekend after yeah, Troy rolling, whipped them. And Georgia State whipped really with Coastal. And Coastal played Georgia Southern fairly hard. What um, about 4 0 Marshall? I I don't see it, but they're not terrible. You know that yeah, Marshall fine. I mean Marshall could beat NC State on Saturday. Their head coach gets a lot of love in the in these uh coaching hot boards. 
Charles Huff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's Wait, who do you think Marshall's going to beat this Saturday? NC State. NC State. Boy. I need to see a hype up that four on one record versus the SEC if that comes around. (laughs) (laughs) Point at that because after Georgia Tech got beat to Bowling Green, yeesh. Yeah, don't look at uh, the ACC's record against all these other teams. Like, don't worry about that. Yeah, Virginia Tech's already got a win against Marshall. I mean, Marshall's already got a win against Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. They have two ACC wins by October 8th. Yeah, but Virginia Tech can go to you this year. So thank goodness they got back from that one. Expand like ACC. A super fun Sun Belt. I mean, like, like, because South is not bad. South beat Oak State, and I know their their, their passing game is is kind of not what they wanted it to be because they they lost their receiver. Right. Uh, Texas State is explosive as hell. Like they're running like full on. You know, they're basically these incarnate word uh, team from last year, brought to the FBS. Southern Miss still has a little chaos in them, but clearly like, like they're taking a big step back. Arc State got a quarterback now. Uh, like the, the true freshman kid, and he crushed UMass over the weekend, put up 55 on the road. Which Jones is going to get the Arkansas job at this rate. Jalen Jalen Rayner crushed Southern Miss, too. Yeah, I mean, exactly. He's just been cooking for a couple he, weeks. Yeah. Now, will John Summerall and Troy have something for Jalen Rayner? Now you got a guy we think is one of the best defensive coaches in the league. He's got two full games of tape on on, on this true freshman second straight week on the road. I, I don't know. Like this clock could strike midnight, but Rainer's been like really, really good. So we'll watch it. Uh, like app, uh, honestly, like that's that was a tough spot for them in l- last weekend going to Monroe after you'd gone to Wyoming. Like at Wyoming, at Monroe, not amazing teams you have to play there. Wyoming's clearly much better than Monroe is, but that's still a tough that's a tough spot for them to go in. And they, they got the win. They you know they, they look like a team that had been flying a whole lot. Who are we missing here? Well, and they, if, they uh, so didn't, the, uh, if they didn't get the non-call PI at the end of North Carolina, that, I mean, that's back-to-back years. They almost beat them in Chapel Hill. It's, the, it's the best G5 league in the country. Uh, yes. Yes. By a lot. You've got it by a uh, lot? I, I don't better watch out. Mike Oresco is going to be firing I, off some letters. Dude, the American stinks this year. <laughs> but, I mean, who are we S- kidding? SMU and Tulane would still be the best two teams in this league. Yeah, but from top to bottom, there are more – solid teams in the Sun Belt than there are in any other G5. Yeah, the Sun Belt doesn't have a lot of those like bottom 15 type mm-hmm. teams this year. Like Temple could be the worst team in the country. Mountain right? West has the bottom, but I think the Mountain West's middle might be the best competition if we're going if we're comparing them to the Sun Belt. I, I there's there's definitely an argument, but I just think yeah, overall I'd take the Sun Belt over the Mountain West. Yeah, it, it's going to be really really fun to watch. Like the Mountain West season is going to be pretty fun because there's not it doesn't feel inevitable. Maybe Air Force is inevitable, but Fresno's <laughs> Fresno looks pretty damn good, man. Yeah. They were business-like in dispatching Nevada. Uh, Nevada didn't, didn't score at all in, until like the final minute. Whites um, went out in that game too, which kind of messed with the flow. Yeah. I, I like we're gonna have some really good G5 matchups down the stretch here. Mountain the the Mac has like three legit teams at the top. We Mountain got Wednesday night football this week, boys. Yes, we right. got you saw action on Wednesday night. Meanest thing that Tom Fernelli said on Saturday night was that the American caught some CUSA. <laughs> it has. Got He's like, you let them, you let them into your house mm-hmm. and this is what's going to end up happening. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, all the nice chandelier has fallen to the grounds. A painting is missing from the front hallway. <laughs> 
You you let them in, Mike. All right, don't come yelling at us just because we're letting you know what happened. You know, things have gotten so bad that Mike's trying to call in the army. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else from the weekend? There you go. No? I rewatched um, Minnesota because that game was kind of eh from like the score wise, box score wise. I thought watching it over again, Minnesota kind of dominated that game. It was just one of those instances where things didn't look nearly as good in the scoreboard. But I'm also, upon further review, and I mentioned this last week, but I this weekend only confirmed it for me. I don't think Wisconsin is great. Wisconsin is going to win the West by at least two games, and then it is going to get crushed by either Michigan, Penn State, or Ohio State and Indianapolis. The gap in power ratings – between the top three in the Big Ten and then everybody else is is pretty wild. I mean, it's like more than two touchdowns. How close is Maryland the in the group that is? I Maryland is very fun. Maryland is also very chaotic. Like it is from down to down. You don't really know what you're gonna get. It's just when the thing hits, it feels great. But yeah, they're gonna they're gonna shoot themselves in the foot at some point. Would Maryland be the second best team in the West? Maryland might be the best team in the West. You think Maryland's better than Wisconsin? I think Maryland can beat Wisconsin. Yeah. I think they, they could because they, they, they could score with them. Right. Some of this is like, what do you think Maryland's defense is? Like, that's a really important question we're mm-hmm. going to have to answer here because they have played Charlotte, which is my second worst rated offense in the country ahead of only Sam Houston. They have played Indiana, which just fired its offensive coordinator. They have played Virginia, which is a pretty terrible offense. They have played Michigan State, which, again, doesn't really play any offense. Do we think this defense for, for Maryland is at all real? Or it, This is kind of the point. Like We're at this point of the season, and I was like, oh, look at these rankings. But you can get a good defensive rate ranking by playing four legitimately bad offenses. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying Maryland's defense isn't good. I'm just, I don't know that they are because they have played four teams that look bad against bad, but also bad against good. But that's the thing. Like when you look at Maryland as far as points allowed or yards allowed or whatever you want to look at, oh, it looks good. When you look at the success rate and the down to down stuff, it's slightly above average and it's not really playing great teams. So that's the, it's, that's what I mean. It's like Maryland is a lot of fun so far, but they are like, you know, kind of crazy in a good way, though. Yeah. The um, Ohio State this week. There you go. Like, that's my favorite thing of the, oh, but they haven't played anybody. And then it's like, we well, here's what we got. All right. We're going to have a, we'll have a great moment. If Maryland's defense holds Ohio State under 40. Oh, I, I mean, I don't have that. I'm not that confident in Ohio State's offense, but if they hold them under 30, then yeah, maybe we can start talking about it. I mean, Maryland is the kind of team that could really push Ohio State until like, you know, the final fourth quarter, like the last couple drives. And Maryland can also lose that game by 50. I don't really know yet, but that's just all of this is within the Terps arsenal. Like it's uh, what was it? Was it against Iowa on a Friday night where like the very first Talia pass mm-hmm. was a pick six and then mm-hmm. he ends up throwing a couple more interceptions? I think he had four that night, didn't yeah. he? Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a lot. I could a- I could see uh I could see like JTT comes bearing down on them, the strip sack mm-hmm. touchdown, and then all of a sudden things spin out of control really quickly. Wasn't that game crazy last year? The Maryland Ohio State game? That was Michigan, wasn't it? That they played tougher? Yeah. Wasn't it like 10 10 at half or something? I, what was the game that, that Talia got hurt at the end? 
on the hit in the end zone. I, I thought it. I thought it was Ohio State. It might have been. I can't remember. Only when the I game think was of, in Maryland, I can visualize it. When I think of Maryland, Ohio State, I think of the game where Urban Meyer looked like he was like on death's door on the sideline watching the Terps nearly knock off the Buckeyes. It's like oh. fifty-five to fifty-two. Yeah, yeah. He was hunched over. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 in Maryland's bag at any time. Can I? Uh, I do have two more upon further reviews if we can get to it. Yeah. All right. Upon further review, I think if we lined them all up and played them tomorrow. I'm taking Michigan over over the the rest of the country. Ooh, okay. Like just from a, from a talent standpoint, I think they have better players on the defensive interior than Georgia does. I think their corners are about as good as Georgia's. Right? Like they seem to have enough speed at backer and safety. The offensive line looks like it's getting better week to week. Like they took mm-hmm. a couple transfers early on. Like I didn't love how it looked. Like they. They didn't push around some of those G5 teams they played like they pushed around Nebraska over the weekend. Receiver, I think, is better than it was last year, potentially, or at least not a huge drop-off losing Ronnie Bell. I think they're good at tight end, and J.J. is... is When you play man against this team, you saw it a couple times against Nebraska. Like He's just taking off and going, and the guy's a good athlete. Uh, so I'm I don't know they will be the best at like the end of the year, but I think if they had to play Georgia right now, I think I would take Michigan. Drake Nugent at center, one of those uh, transfer portal additions. You know they they go and uh, they get Olu last year. They got Drake Nugent this year, and I mean I think he's been playing really really well and a big part of being able to maintain that Sharon Moore standard that we've come to expect from that Michigan offensive line. I haven't really dug into it, so I can't say for sure, but just like casual scouting while watching the game. I felt like early in the season, they were trying some stuff in the run game that was new that I haven't yeah. really seen them use. And I think like against Nebraska, I felt like they were playing the same kind of inside zone stuff that they did to great effect last year. But they were, they're, they've been trying some stuff early in the year, but it kind of goes back to what we were saying about this team the last couple of weeks where it's like, They've kind of viewed these games as scrimmages in that yes. they're so much better than everybody that they've just been kind of out here. Well, let's try this. Let's try this. Get an idea so we can maybe go to this when Penn State or Ohio State aren't expecting it because they haven't really seen it. So, yeah, no, I I don't think there's any flaw in the idea that Michigan is the best team in the country right now. And what was the other one? Bad losses, like losses that you really you can't take. If you get Jakovic back, you really can't lose to that Virginia Tech team. I, I, I think we all kind of like like Pat Narduzzi and we we like the attitude, but I mean, going away from Whipple and to this offensive scheme, it's very clear to me it was a mistake, and we said so at the time. Like, you, you don't like why would you actively try to not score points with a hire, and. I'm not saying – like, I'm not, I'm not – Pat's not an idiot. I don't think that's what he was trying to do. I think he wanted to have an offense that was more comfortable to him. But this looks must champion right now. Like, Narduzzi's team right now looks like he's a D.C., not an H.C. The other bad loss is Houston losing to Texas Tech. Now, I know Texas Tech was favored, but the way they lost that, like Morton clearly hurt to go and give up two special teams touchdowns in the open and still let them score on you like that. That's a, that's a really bad loss for Houston. The, the way it went down, I, I think is, is, is pretty bad. 
half the buyout bowl is still in play. I know, man. And like West Virginia is like that game is at home. West Virginia is playing well. And if the administration well, wants to well ish, let's let's I don't know what to make of that because I mean West Virginia had like their entire secondary carted off. Mm-hmm. Or stretchered off in some cases. Like we hope this I haven't seen an update on that, but yeah. Yeah. West Virginia, uh Houston plays West Virginia and Texas in back to back weeks, both home games. Um, if the administration wants to make a move after the Thursday night game, you would at least have a few extra days, but the off week is this week. We'll see how it goes uh, as Dana Holgerson tries to pick the Cougs up off the mat. Anything else? Notebook empty. We got a lot to accomplish on Wednesday. We got a lot to accomplish on Wednesday. We want you to come hang out with us live while we do it. 11 a.m. Eastern time, youtube.com slash cover three. We will be doing our big game breakdowns and our September superlatives. Player of the month, team of the month, coach of the month, and game of the month. We will be handing out those coveted awards as well. Plus, any news, any reaction that needs to be hit. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See you.